A filmmaker from Marlboro will be part of the first ever civilian mission to orbit the moon. Brendan Hall joins me this morning. He's a documentary filmmaker selected out of over a million artists and creatives to be a crew member of the Dear Moon mission, which will make a month-long journey to the moon and back using a SpaceX rocket coming up later on in 2023. Brendan, a pleasure to have you this morning. Thank you very much for joining me. When did this idea about being on a SpaceX rocket going to the moon and back first enter your radar? <laughs> uh, radar is a good way to put it. I, I would say it never entered my mind, uh, even even growing up and in previous years. I just never even considered that I would do something like this. And so I saw an article online that was an open submission saying that a Japanese uh, entrepreneur, Yusaku Maizawa, had basically purchased the first ever flights on a SpaceX rocket called Starship to orbit the moon. And so that happened in 2018, and in the public call uh, kind of early 2021 went online. And, and I saw it, and I was just like, this is this seems too impossible. <laughs> it seems too surreal. But I, I applied for it just because I, I am a filmmaker. Uh, he was looking for artists and creatives. And the documentary films that I make are all centered around nature and kind of people's place in the natural world. So I love following people under starry skies and sunsets and mountains and national parks. And it just felt like a good fit, you know. I just envisioned this kind of what if we saw this civilian human uh, reaction to what they're seeing on this incredible mission. So this idea of you being a filmmaker and going up on the SpaceX rocket, you will be actually shooting video, shooting film of what you're seeing. And if it came down to me versus you, I wouldn't get the gig because all I got is a, a, a camera on a smartphone. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that we're all creative. We all have something really special to share for, for something like this. And I just got really lucky. I've been making films since a young age, and I fell in love with it very early and so I was able to say, this is my passion. Like, this is kind of the thing I'd have to give to this mission. And so that's been my whole kind of goal with it, is giving an inside perspective of the whole process uh, from before the launch, uh, training kind of all of the personal uh, difficulties and challenges we go through all the way through the mission, and especially once we return to Earth, just to see how it changes all of us. So, Wayne, I would say you do a great job at whatever you contribute, but I am very fortunate that I've gotten to <laughs> make films for a long time, you know, and have that as a craft that I could offer. The mission is called Deer Moon, and for the radio audience, I will spell it D-E-A-R-M-O-O-N, just like it sounds, but it's one word, and the moon, the M of moon is capitalized. Is there a story behind that? I don't think specifically, but I think that the idea is it's kind of just this ode to the moon. It's us each writing our own letter, giving our own perspective. I mean, uh, the crew members are all different artists, right? So there's a, a choreographer, uh, there's photographic artists, there's musicians on board, and everyone has this different perspective. And so when each of us thinks of that idea of dear moon, I think we'd each kind of pen a very different letter to how we'll feel or what we'll experience. And so I think it just comes from that. And, you know, it's pretty cool. The moon has such an amazing place in pop culture, in human history. I think that we've all looked up at it and had different thoughts and dreams and ideas and formed different kinds of meanings. So I think it just comes from that, like, universal human thing <laughs> of looking up at the moon and, and kind of wanting to have those thoughts or that ode to it. 
Well, tonight is the full moon. It will be the fullest of its current cycle. Is there a chance, Brendan, that at some point you might go outside in your yard tonight and look at the moon and kind of say, I'll be going up there later on this year? Yeah, I would say a definite chance. Every time I see the moon, I'm thinking about it. And uh, I'm here in Brooklyn, in New York City, and so I'll look out my window or look up from a street. But even yesterday, you know, I was flying on a plane back from a film shoot, and the moon was just beautiful over the sunset out the window. So I can't help but think about it, for sure. Now, to make it clear, you are not going to be Neil Armstrong. There will be no one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But what what happens? You go up to the moon, circle around the backside of it, and then come back down to Earth? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'll give a little bit of context because I think this is really cool. Is uh, We're flying with SpaceX, and they're creating a ship called Starship. Uh, fully stacked, it's 396 feet tall, and it's going to be the largest rocket in the world. And they're doing tests right now on Starship where uh, just in the next month or two, they might try their first orbital test flight. So they'll leave Earth um, and, and kind of orbit around the Earth without a crew just to test the rocket and, and see kind of what condition it's in, how it's working, so that they can keep developing it for these longer flights. And so our mission will be in orbit around the moon. Uh, it's the first civilian mission ever to do that. It takes about six and a half or seven days. Uh, it's roughly three days to get out there, orbit around the dark side of the moon, and if we're lucky, we'll see Earthrise come up, just as some of the Apollo astronauts did. And we are not stepping on the moon. We are definitely staying in the shuttle, and it is in orbit, but, you know, it's still a very serious mission. And what's really exciting that I love is NASA's Artemis missions, who will land the next woman and next person of color on the moon sometime around 2025 or a bit later. Uh, they're also using Starship what's called Artemis 3. So Artemis 1 just happened where they launched an unmanned capsule around the moon. Artemis 2 is going to happen either a little before or a little after our mission where NASA will fly astronauts in a similar orbit to us. And then Artemis 3 will be another moon landing. Um, so it is just very exciting to see this kind of legacy of space and legacy around the moon. I don't want to say get reborn because I think it's always kind of been in our hearts and there's a lot of cool space missions happening. But um, it is certainly a very exciting time to check all this stuff out. Man, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about what you're going to be going through. Now, you refer to yourself as a crew member for this out-of-this-world trip. When I think of crew on a spaceship, I'm thinking, you know, Captain Kirk and Spock and Scotty and McCoy and Uhura and people like that. Will you actually be involved in the control of the spacecraft or do they have like actual rocket engineers to do that? And you'll be out there with your video camera giving these amazing images to bring back to Earth. It's definitely closer to the latter. I think that what is exciting um, and important is that we're going through months of training for this. I don't know how long, I don't know exactly when that timeline begins, but, you know, everything from emergency scenarios, I'd imagine, um, and based on previous private space flights that have gone up there, um, they do really cool stuff, such as, like, survival training, where if your capsule is coming back down to Earth with the parachute at the end of the mission, if the wind diverts you and instead of landing in the ocean, you land in the tundra in Siberia, you have to learn some basic survival skills until you get picked up. And so I'm just excited to learn all those new skills and have all those new challenges. But for the most part, the uh, flight of the ship is controlled by a very talented team of engineers, uh, and we're not expected to be pilots in that sense. We are 
um, kind of civilian members going on board to create art. But at the same time, I, I do think that training is going to involve quite a bit of operations in that sense. So I'll be excited to tell you more about it once I know. You know, it's just a very cool way to learn some life skills and get an inside process. Yeah, I'd very much like to do a follow-up on this once you come back. You were a class of 2012 at Ram High School. You took video production classes before attending college at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. So this stuff goes back to your, your high school days. Tell me about some of the documentary film work you've done, including your most recent project. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, the first thing I want to say is just I'm so proud to be from Connecticut represent Connecticut in this and being from my hometown and my high school at Ram uh, under the guidance at the video program of Paul Bancroft there as a teacher. I just found the first ever community of, of other people who love making films and love doing what I do. And I hosted the school news there and just did everything I could. And some of those early resources and opportunities are a big reason why I was able to go to NYU and able to keep chasing this dream of making films. And so I'm very proud to do that. And even my first documentary was at Ram about uh, bullying in the high school. And it was the first time I interviewed people and really saw that uh, powerful emotional stories could, could make an impact. And that as a filmmaker, you kind of get a chance to talk to people and be in these situations that you never otherwise would be. So I'm very proud of those early days. Um, I'm most recently finishing a feature-length documentary, actually. It's my first, which means that it's like a full-length 70, 75-minute film that I made with my friend Anthony Blake, who also went to RAM. Uh, and it's called Out There, A National Park Story. And essentially, kind of just after college, we took this long road trip through the national parks for three or four months and went to about 20 different parks. And the film uh, shows the stories of the people that we met within the parks and along the way. So I'm very proud of that. You know, it was a self-directed and shot and edited feature-length documentary that's now premiering at the Florida Film Festival next month. It'll start doing film festivals. And then aside from that, I'm just really grateful. I've gotten to travel all around the world. Uh, people love that I was a part of a film project that went to Greenland with Bill Nye, the science guy, and we lived on an um, ice core drilling base. You know, I've been on the top of a volcano in the Congo. I've gotten to go to Nigeria and Zambia. And um, mostly what's important about those experiences is just meeting really, really amazing people uh, from different walks of life. They're each trying to have their own impact in the world. So uh, that's just to say I just feel so lucky to do this. Your documentary, Out There, A National Park Story. Brendan, do you have a favorite national park? Amen. Um, really hard. So the national parks, I'm not going to get too too nerdy here, but they each kind of protect a unique ecosystem of the United States, right? And so I think that each park and each history of the park uh, is almost like a different personality. And it's also so much about the people you go there with. But I do think uh, Glacier National Park in Montana is a pretty incredible one. You know, it's massive mountains, uh, grizzly bears, wildlife, you know, lakes, shores, uh, and a really rich history of the Blackfeet people um, and a historical nature as well as uh, it's sad, but looking at climate change and seeing glaciers kind of uh, receding in their previous years. So it is a, a stunning, uh, juicy national park to go to for sure. Are there other notable crew members who'll be joining you on the SpaceX mission to the moon later this year? Yeah, I mean, so the highest profile uh, that people get very excited about uh, is Steve Aoki. He's an American uh, DJ. Uh, there's also Top, 
He's a Korean pop artist who is a member of the group Big Bang some years ago and is now a solo artist. And then there's also just amazing talents like Rhiannon and Adam. She's from uh, London, and she kind of does uh, portrait photography, very humanistic, artful photography. And then another guy, Yemi A.D., who is a Czech-Nigerian uh, choreographer and all works around movement and the body and is a multidisciplinary artist. And I've gotten to meet most of these crew members and spend real time with them, and they're all really special people. You know, I've seen before people say, oh, it's an influencer crew or uh, these are a lot of people of esteem in their field, but I think that each crew member has a really uh, amazing story to share. So I'm just excited to, to help share that with people, too. Brendan, it's one thing when you're one of a million people who apply to be a crew member on the Dear Moon mission. It's another thing when you get selected. What was the response? What was the reaction of your family, especially your mom, when they heard you were going out in space? Yeah. I mean, when I was told, I was told over a Zoom call. Uh, MZ, who's the, the leader of the mission that supported all this, told me, you know, I'd like you to be a crew member. And I just fell back in my chair um, and it took a couple weeks until I was with my family over Thanksgiving because I really wanted to tell them in person. Um, and my parents were shocked, you know, it was just instant tears, especially my mom, uh, just instant crying. And it was a mixed reaction. She was so excited and so proud of me and just couldn't believe it. But she also said, like, you got to take care of yourself. Like, don't die. I can't lose you doing this. Um, and there's that, there's that level of fear, you know, and it's a, it's a real risk. I don't want to overshadow uh, the risk of a mission like this and the challenge, but for me, it just kind of felt like things aligned, and I just saw this article, and out of these million people was whittled down, and it feels like the most amazing thing I could do with my life still. And so um, I'm very lucky. My parents have supported it, uh, my girlfriend, and the friends in my life, and especially as, as my life gets a little busier, um, things get a bit different closer and closer to launch. I'm just really grateful to have those people, definitely. Brendan, if I could do it, I'd do it. I'd say bring it on. But you just said level of fear. What is your level of fear? Do you try to just put that out of your mind? No, I think I during the selection, the selection process took months. Um, I don't want to go too deep into it for the sake of time, but it was kind of like a six-month process from Zoom interviews. I did an in-person medical exam at UCLA Medical Center, and then an in-person meeting in Texas with a lot of fellow candidates. And so during that time, I spent some months weighing the risks, looking at SpaceX's track record, which is honestly pretty incredible uh, for safety and success, and just really weighing kind of existentially if this was something I wanted to do and I was ready to do. And I decided that if I was selected, I would go for it. And so I think that by the time I was selected, I had firmly made that decision. But uh, I still have days where I wake up and realize I'm doing this again and kind of think about the whole thing. And it's definitely nerve-wracking, you know. But I'd say at this point, my level of trust is very high. Uh, and the fear is pretty low. But I definitely hold it with me, the, the gravity of what we're doing here. So, so Brendan, what's the timetable from this point on? Is there a point when you go to the SpaceX headquarters and you get involved in an intensive training mission, both on what is going to be going on on the rocket, but also to make sure you're in the top physical shape? Yeah, so, so that'll happen. Um, right now, as they announce the expected kind of launch from SpaceX, their official timeline, we'll call it, was uh, end of 2023. But, but if you look online and you see kind of the, the nature of how this goes. There's a lot of delays that happen. Um, <clears throat> rocketry is something that takes quite a bit of time 
to happen. So um, it could happen in a year. It could happen in a few years. We're still just waiting on seeing how quickly that evolves. And then the year that a launch date is set, we'll go through that training. And so for now, it's kind of settling in, dreaming up our projects that we're going to make and, and getting used to this this new thing in our lives. You know, I'm learning everything I possibly can. I've spoken to folks kind of related to the Apollo missions and other former missions, and I'm just trying to trying to learn right now uh, before we really get into action with it. And one last note, which has a kind of a personal aspect for me, is that I'm really big into watching the flyovers of the International Space Station. In fact, at 512 this morning, I saw it. I saw it rise in the northwest, and I watched it set in the southeast, and I've probably seen it about 50 times, and this morning was a really good viewing. And I'm wondering, with you heading off to the moon on this Dear Moon mission, do you ever get a chance to see the flyovers, either in the morning, which it's on right now, that pattern, or sometimes in the evening, and look up at the ISS and say, there's people up there, and down the road this year, I'm going to be on something similar to that going up to the moon and back? Yeah, and Wayne, I love that you do that, and I think everybody should. You can go online, you can see when the ISS is going to fly over. Um, I love that, and some of the best nights of my life have been photographing stars and night skies and taking time lapses. And when you just see, especially when it's unplanned, you don't know when it's flying over, that little bright ball of light that's the brightest and quickest moving thing in the sky, and you realize that that is a station full of humans, I mean, there's just nothing like it. So I definitely look at that. I'm always looking up at the stars when I can, and that's that's my happy place. I don't feel... That's the most awe wonder I think I get to feel is when I look up at something like that. So all those thoughts, and, you know, it's on the nose, but it's true. I look up at the full moon, I look up at the stars and the ISS, and I just can't even believe I might and will get the chance to, to go do that, too. So Phenomenal. The Dear Moon mission coming up later this year, date to be announced. The SpaceX rocket takes a crew, which includes our guest this morning, Brendan Hall for Marlboro. Brendan, terrific. We want to follow up on this once you're back thank you this morning for joining me yeah my pleasure wayne yeah take care and for the folks who want to get the timetable on the international space station just go to spot the station and you'll get a map you can localize it and get the times of when they're coming again it was a real good one this morning 14 wili willimantic and 95.3 fm